Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we can be here in your house this day. As the psalmist said, it's our soul's delight to be in your presence. And God, as we come today, we are so thankful that we can sit at your feet, much like Mary did. And we pray that you would speak to us, that you would give us ears to hear and to receive, Lord God, by faith, the words that you speak, that we would not just be hearers of the word, but that we would be doers as well. We thank you and we pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, it's interesting, is it not, how you can grow up in the church and you can read the Bible your entire life and yet as you get older, you begin to study it and you realize that there may be some passages that you've actually understood a different way than what the Bible really means. Uh, and I think that the passage that we're looking at today, 1 Corinthians 13, can be one of those passages because I think it's not uncommon for these verses to be read at weddings. And so we can easily begin to associate this passage and what Paul says about love with marriage. And of course, it does apply to marriage, but it becomes really clear that it really has more to talk about death and sacrifice than it does about marriage. So the dominant image to associate with this passage is not so much the wedding gown, but the cross, the cross of Jesus Christ. And so I like the way Sinclair Ferguson put it. He said, you know, love is not maximum emotion. Love is maximum commitment. It's that sense of commitment. And so we've been looking at uh, love and what that entails. It's been a lot like if you picked up a diamond and you held it up and you looked at it and, and it's different nuances and, and saw how the light hit it. You know, in the same way as we've been looking at verses four through seven, we've been looking at what love is and looking at the different aspects. And so we're going to continue in that study as we look at verse seven, 1 Corinthians 13, seven, that says, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Well, we're going to sort of take the first part of that verse and the last part of that verse and look at those things. Love bears all things and love endures all things because those ideas sort of go together, as we'll see in just a moment. Now, as we come to this uh, idea of love bears all things, it's the work, the, the Greek word stegae, and it's generated a lot of discussion because it can mean a lot of different things. And so let me just go over some of the, the meanings that it can have. First of all, it can mean it covers all things is what it means. So a lot like a roof covers things. So love keeps things hidden in essence. And what I mean by that is as we think about love covering all things, love knows when to keep things covered up or confidential. Okay, love hides the faults of others instead of gladly revealing them to other people. You know, we talked uh, uh, last time we met about how the church can be tempted to want to gossip. Can we not? You know, that we want to confess other people's sins rather than confessing our own sins. And, you know, we sort of joke about how the, the grapevine is alive and well in most churches, unfortunately. And so we oftentimes find ourselves uh, sharing what other people say. And unfortunately, we even spiritualize it and do it 
is in the cover of a prayer request. Oh, really? Tell me about so-and-so so that I can pray for them. But that's not what love does. Love hides the faults of others instead of gladly revealing them. Now, we see this in other places in Scripture, although not the same Greek word isn't used. The idea is used. For example, in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 8, Peter says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Or in Proverbs 10 verse 12, he says, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. So whether Paul is talking about, you know, this word meaning to cover all things or not, it's very clear from other places in Scripture that we as Christians are to love this way, that we are to cover up all things. Now, Matthew Henry points out that love draws a veil over other sins as far as it consistently can. Now, I emphasize that because I think we must not mistakenly think that all offenses are to be ignored. Now, have you known individuals or maybe families or maybe even church families that sort of their mode of operation of dealing with things that are wrong is to sort of sweep it under the rug? You know, we don't talk about it. I mean, everybody knows that that sin exists or that, you know, so-and-so does this or that and they're not supposed to, but we just don't talk about it. We just put it under the rug. Now, the problem with that is that even though you sweep it under the rug, you end up with a big bulge under your rug, right? And you still trip over it. It's still there, you know, and so it doesn't do any good to ignore it. Well, that's not what Paul is talking about. He's not talking about hiding our sin and not dealing with it. He's not saying that we should be dishonest and neglect to deal with the sin. There are times when we need to expose sin. And sometimes we need to do that publicly. I think several worship services ago, we sort of read the story of Achan and how he sinned against the Lord and Joshua exposed his sin and gave him an opportunity to glorify God by making a public profession of faith. But he did not. He hid his sin. And as a result, not only did he die, but his entire family. But, you know, probably more times than not, there are uh, many times when love demands that we deal with sin privately. And that's what Paul is talking about here. It doesn't mean that we cover it up in the sense that we never deal with it. You know, um, it means that we just don't make other people's sins public. But we might go to that person and we might talk to them privately. As a matter of fact, love will even risk friendships in order to, to deal with an offense, to go to someone in the church that we love very much and talk to them. Love puts itself on the line I guess you could say in one sense. I think about a young man who wrote a letter to a friend and his friend was on the brink of destroying his marriage because of his sin. And this young man wrote this letter to his friend and he said, I love you too much to allow you to continue down the path that you're going. And and he said, you know, for me to sit here and to say nothing would be like me seeing you stand on the railroad tracks and this locomotive come barreling down the tracks and for me to keep my mouth quiet. It's the same thing. He said, I would rather risk our friendship than watch you be destroyed by your sin. And so he confronted his friend with that. That is love. That is love. So love doesn't punish others for sins by making their sins public 
or it doesn't shame or disgrace others, you know, even in the form of prayer requests, but it instead it loves, it seeks to cover up sins. And I think that's one of the reasons why uh, pastors, why ruling elders, oftentimes a lot of their ministry is sort of done behind closed doors. Because, you know, the idea is, is that they want to deal with that sin in the lives of people in their congregation, but they want to protect those people, uh, not only from other people knowing about it, but protect them and give them time to repent of their sin and to heal and to walk in obedience to Christ. And so love gives us and gives allows us to give each other that time to heal and to grow. So that's one meaning it could be. It could also mean to support others by helping them carry their burdens. You know, we see uh, that in scripture as well. Uh, love supports other people in times of trouble. When other people are struggling, love lifts them up, you know, a lot like um, walls and beams sort of support the roof of a house. So love does the, the same as well. And uh, we see that in passages like Galatians chapter six, where we are to bear one another's burdens. But but it's also seen in Christ. And I think about Isaiah 53 and uh, Isaiah 53, four talks about how Christ has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Jesus has done in many sense the heavy lifting in our salvation. And uh, also in verse 12 of that same passage it says he bore the sin of many and he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree as Peter talks about as well so Jesus has loved us by carrying the weight of of our sin and so love does entail that as well and while I think those are are great possibilities in terms of meaning I think there's a third option that's probably what Paul is talking about here, and that is that we patiently put up with the sins of others, that we patiently put up with the sins of others. So bear in the sense of suffering patiently all the troubles that come from dealing with other people, including people who try to harm us. I mean, we know, right? I don't need to convince you we live in a fallen world. And we sin against each other, right? And we hurt each other. And there are people actually in your lives and in my life that probably are intentionally coming against you. People who would gladly want to do you harm. And so love deals patiently with all the hurts that come our way, even when people attack us, when they are aggressive against us. So Jonathan Edwards says that it is... uh, that love is willing to undergo all the sufferings for Christ's sake. And, and I think that's what Paul is talking about. And let me explain why. Turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 12. 1 Corinthians 9, 12. He uses the same word here where Paul is seeking to defend his ministry against those who are attacking him. And this is what Paul says. I'm going to pick it up sort of the middle He says, but we endure, that's the same word there, but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. So so what he's talking about is he's enduring or he's patiently putting up with the sins of these false teachers that are attacking his reputation. Now, some people would argue and say, but wait, Pastor Rick, 
you know, he's saying that we are to bear up all things. And then at the end of the verse, he talks about how we are to endure all things. Isn't that just sort of repetitive? Are you sure that's what he's talking about? Well, I think uh, Charles Hodge probably helps us here in terms of the distinction between these two terms. He talks about bearing all things means is relating to the annoyances and the troubles that we have in our lives. Whereas enduring all things talks about suffering and persecution. So it's sort of a degree uh, there of, of being patient with others. Um, so enduring all things really is it's, a, it's actually a military term. It means to stand fast against the assault of the enemy. So even when people come against us, you know, um, love perseveres, it endures. Um, so it, the person with this kind of love is able to uh, sustain the assaults of suffering or persecution in the sense of bearing up under them and enduring them patiently. It is the endurance of the soldier who is thick in the battle, but he's not dismayed. He continues to move forward. It is the power to not only live vigorously, but victoriously as well. And we see this kind of uh, endurance throughout uh, ministry. Look, turn over to 2 Corinthians, Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, or the second letter that we have to the Corinthians. Uh, chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. And Paul writes of his own endurance. Uh, he says in verse six, he says, but as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, laborers, sleepless nights and hunger. So he's able to endure in the midst of those circumstances. Now, I want to stop right here. Because I've grown up in the church and I've heard, I don't know how many sermons in my life. And I think it's almost easy to think when we read things like this about the Apostle Paul, that this is like a fairy tale. Yeah, OK, so Paul suffered, he endured, he went on, blah, blah, blah. OK, we go on. But there was real suffering that he endured. And just like the suffering that we endure. You know, there may be those that are here today who are struggling in their marriage, you know, you look good on Sunday morning, but during the week, there's there's tension in your relationship. And and your spouse is not only not supporting you and loving you. There may be even you may feel shamed by that person. You may have uh, a child who's rebelling. And uh, just doesn't seek after the things of the Lord. And and as a parent, your heart is broken and you desire for them to love the Lord, but there's tension in your family. You know, it may be that you're having financial difficulties. I don't care what you do. It seems like whatever the decisions you're seeking to honor the Lord, but your car keeps breaking down. You keep having the medical bills and, and all those things happen. And, and despite how you seek to honor the Lord, there are those difficulties that keep coming and you feel that suffering and you feel these circumstances that continually come against you. And you just think, Lord, how am I going to endure this? And I want us to understand that as Paul was being persecuted, as he had sleepless nights, as he was going through those difficulties, that pain that you're feeling, he felt that pain too. That these are, are very similar. 
And we need to not just quickly dismiss over this, but understand that, um, that our God understands our difficulties. Now, in 2 Corinthians 6, we stopped at verse 5, you know, but, but how could Paul endure this? Well, look on in verse 6. He says, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love. By, by the Holy Spirit and by genuine love, it is that love that enables us to endure. Love for God, love for our enemies, um, and, uh, and trusting in him, you know, that will get us through. Uh, as Paul later wrote to Timothy in explaining why he never gave up in ministry, this is what he said. He said, therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. One of the reasons why Paul loved the elect was so that they could persevere, they could continue. And the same thing is true of us. Even through those difficulties that we go through, we endure and we persevere that it might encourage others, but also that some people might come to faith in Christ as they see our love in response to their hostility. So it's for the sake of the gospel that love always endures. And of course, as we think about that kind of enduring love, the best example that we have, the most clear and most compelling example is the Lord Jesus Christ. And I know for for many of us, we we understand that Christ went to the cross. We understand the suffering that that he underwent. But, But I wanna suggest to you that if you think of it in one way, Christ didn't just suffer for a couple of hours on the cross, or he didn't have a couple of days of suffering, that really his entire life was one of suffering. I mean, think about it. Here he is, King of kings and Lord of lords, who sits on the throne in heaven above, and he comes to earth as a human baby. And he's born in a barn, in a makeshift barn, he's exiled in Egypt. He's, uh, they attempted to kill him. Uh, he's homeless and he's wondering as he's preaching the gospel, he has no place to lay his head. He has uh, women who are of, have financial means that are supporting his ministry. And that's how he goes on. And then... That night before his crucifixion in the Garden of Gethsemane, he has such anguish of his soul that he is sweating drops of blood. And so I guess I just want you to understand that our Savior understands suffering. The 33 years that he spent upon this earth was one of suffering. 33 years So Jesus suffered his entire life. But then while he's in the garden, then the soldiers come and they take him. And I think it's important for us to remember, kids, I think it's important for you to understand what Jesus Christ suffered to pay for our sins. Because you grow up in church, kids, right? And you just hear, Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And that's okay. That's okay. Yep, we need to know that. But I think we need to understand that he was publicly, verbally, emotionally, and physically abused uh, before this, these soldiers that uh, that arrested him, uh, and and that this whole process of crucifixion and everything that led up to that was to in, was to intimidate and degrade the prisoners, 
And so what they did with Jesus, kids, listen to this. First of all, they took him and they stripped all of his clothes off of him. And so Jesus was standing there naked before these these soldiers. And then the soldiers began to mock him. They began to make fun of him. Ah, you say you're the king of the Jews. And then they would take and they would hit him and they blindfolded him and they said, tell me who hit you. You know, prophesy. You say you're a prophet. You say you're a king. And they began to to hit and to abuse him. And then they began to spit upon him. Now, kids, I know I've seen some of you spit on each other. You don't do that because you love the other person, do you? No. You know, you, you, you do that as a as a way of uh, showing contempt for them, even disgust and degrading them. And that's what they did to Jesus. And then, like I said, they not only verbally abuse him, but then they begin to physically beat and mock him. And so even as we think here today can you, and we think about the sufferings that we go through, we understand that our God is a God that understands suffering. Can you see the royal son of God standing before these soldiers in a scarlet robe with a crown on his head, a crown of thorns and the blood and the spittle upon his face? And, and even this wasn't the worst part of it. But as Matthew says in Matthew 27, when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his clothes on him and they led him away to be crucified. And even the whole process of crucifixion was one of shame. It was a way to show that the victims were uh, held in contempt in society. And so Christ was crucified naked. And uh, and not only that, but even God's law says cursed is is the one who is the dies on the tree. But Christ was to be our perfect, perfect sacrifice. Now, what does that mean for us today? What does that mean as we go through the difficulties and the trials that we go through in our lives? And and this whole idea of the fact that love bears all things and love endures all things. What does it mean for us that we are recipients of the enduring love of the Son of God, and then how should we respond? Well, first of all, I would suggest that we respond in saving faith, that we believe in a personal way that when Jesus died on the cross, that he did it for us as much as for anyone, that we don't have to bear the guilt of our own sin, but by faith we may transfer that burden to him is the Son of God, as the Bible says, who loved us and gave himself up for us. An exchange that has taken place, an exchange of love to where he has given himself that we don't have to feel the shame and the guilt of the sin that we commit, but that we can um, turn to him and trust that his sacrifice has paid for those sins. I think the second thing that we need to do, and very importantly, we need to respond in loving gratitude to God for what he's done. To thank Jesus properly uh, for him, we need to, to do more than include just the cross. We need to include all the suffering that he has experienced. Um, Corrie Tim Boone, many of you know, uh, she wrote the book The Hiding Place, and she was in a Nazi concentration camp. And she said this really sort of struck home her one day um, because she was um, in this Nazi concentration camp and every Friday the prisoners, the female prisoners would have to 
take off all of their clothes. And so they would be there naked, standing in a line, and they'd have to stand like this with their hands down to their sides, kids. Can you believe this? Standing in line. And there's these male soldiers that are like looking at them and laughing at them. And just the humiliation that that they felt. But Corey said, you know, she goes, there's one day, one Friday when I was standing there naked and just feeling the humiliation. I was, I was cold. I was, I was freezing because I didn't have any clothes on. And she said, and I, and I started to think about Christ's crucifixion. And she said, you know, if you ever see any pictures of Jesus on the cross, he always has like a little piece of clothing right over him. But she said, when I really thought back about what the Bible said, it said that he hung there naked on the cross. And she said, I leaned forward to my sister Betsy, who was in front of me, and, she, and, and I said, Betsy, they took Christ's clothes too. And he stood there, and he was there crucified in humiliation. And she said, all of a sudden, Betsy gasped and she said, oh. And I never thanked my God for enduring such humiliation for me. And in the same way, we must come on Sunday mornings We must think of these things during the week and give thanks to God that he loved us so much that he would endure such difficulties so that we might have our sins forgiven. So that we, when we're getting angry with each other, when we are viewing pornography, when we are spending money to try to make ourselves feel better and going into debt, when we are doing all these things blatantly against our God, he loved us so much that he experienced that shame that we would not have to do so. And then the third thing that we must do He said, we must respond to the love of Jesus by loving other people as he loves us. How could we ever bear persecution or endure opposition from others apart from the love of Jesus Christ? If we are able to endure suffering for the cause of Christ, if we can do that, then that is a clear sign that the Spirit of God dwells within our hearts because it's only his spirit that can give us the power to love others when they mistreat us the way that we mistreat and dishonor our God. Amen? Now that's not to say that we're going to have to lay down our lives as Christ did in the same way that he did at least or or that it's wrong to protect ourselves in godly ways from sinful abuse. But it is to say that true love is able to bear many hardships and endure many sufferings for the love of Jesus. Peter said, listen to these words in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. Peter says, for to this you have been called, 
because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Jesus Christ has died and he has called us as his children that we might suffer as well. So what is the situation that you're in right now? Or maybe it's not you, maybe it's a friend or someone else close to you, maybe one of your children or a spouse or someone else that is suffering. What are you called to endure right now? Some Christians find their calling to suffer as uh, oppression, you know, as governments that are hostile to them. We in America have not experienced that yet, but we have brothers and sisters around the world that are dying for their faith and people are hostile and angry towards them, not because of anything that they have done, but only, only because they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and they were suffering for their faith. Some, though here today, may suffer at school. Maybe you're made fun of, maybe even mocked because you are a Christian. Or maybe in the neighborhood in which you live, the other kids make fun of you because you, because you talk about all that churchy stuff and you believe in God. Some of us may suffer at, at work and it may be because we won't go along with the crowd and to do what others do. It may be that folks um, give us a difficult time because of that. Maybe even we've been looked over in terms of promotions because we follow Christ. Then there are the problems that we have with our relations, with our families, our relationships. It might be with our parents or our spouses or our children or close relationships there because we follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Not Maybe not all of our family are Christians. Maybe we're the only ones in our family that are Christians and the rest of our family doesn't understand why we live the way we do or why we raise our kids the way we raise. And so we're constantly sort of hearing those whispers behind our backs of, oh, they think they're holier than thou. And there are people who have harmed us, maybe people who have wounded you, who have hurt you with their words and they've battered you and uh, mocked you and made fun of you. How could we possibly bear to love them? We could only love them because Jesus Christ empowers us to love them. And I, I want you to know that as a pastor, I have had the opportunity to walk alongside a lot of people in my years of ministry with my wife. And we have heard a lot of folks go through a lot of painful things. And it's so easy to sit here on Sunday morning and to think about these things and think, oh yeah, I know we're supposed to endure, we're supposed to love. But Christ calls us sometimes to endure things that are very difficult. And we have seen where husbands and wives, those that have committed who were brought together in holy matrimony to be intimate and close with one another, actually because they know each other so well, hurt each other so deeply. And they've had pain upon pain upon pain. And they have said things that have hurt each other so much. And they're so tired. And they think, how can I endure? But Jesus says that we can 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. And then it goes on in that verse and it says, He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. 
Now, there are people who think that God will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But I am here to tell you that God does. Sometimes there are things that come into our lives that are way more difficult than we can bear in and of our own strength. But the one thing that we must understand is that God never gives us more than he can bear. He is there. And while these circumstances might be more than we can take, they're not more than, than, than we can take with the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. We are not alone. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is with us. The Savior who suffered every kind of abuse up to and including the death by torture. And I know that this doesn't lessen the pain that we go through and it doesn't necessarily resolve it or take away all the problems, but it does mean that we don't have to bear all things or endure all things on our own. The love of Jesus Christ will carry us through. The more we know his love, the love of our suffering, saving king, the more we will be able to endure all things for him. Amen? Let's take just a, a few moments and just bow our heads and just think about the word that was preached and let's just have a time of silence before I, I close this in prayer. Lord, we come to you today knowing that the problems and the difficulties that we go through are very real. That, Lord, that we are not alone. That there have been many, the Apostle Paul, Peter, Martin Luther, many others, O oh God, that have gone through and endured much pain and suffering as a result of, of this life in which we live on this earth. And we come to you this morning and we thank you that in those sufferings that we are not alone, that you are a God that understands those sufferings. And we pray, O oh Lord, that your spirit would be with us. Lord, we pray for those that are here today that are brokenhearted and enduring such difficulties. We ask that you would sustain them and Lord, I pray that you would help us as a church to be a compassionate church, to understand that when people are going through sufferings, we can't just say, well, God works all things out to the good, to the good of those who love him and call it according to his purpose and just pat them on the back and send them off. But dear Lord, I pray that in the same way that your spirit indwells us and sustains us, that we might encourage one another Lord, please give us the grace to endure the sufferings that you bring our way. And we ask this in your name and ask that you would use it for the building up of your kingdom. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.